What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. What's up, everybody? Welcome to your Saturday mailbag here for Fantasy Football Today. I got two awesome analysts with me. I am Adam Azer. Right, we're going to read your emails at fantasyfootballandcbsi.com. We're going to read your Apple podcast questions, and we're going to talk week one DFS. I hope you are listening to the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast. More on that in a moment. Let's bring in Frank Stample. What's up, Frank? How you doing, man? Yo, what's going on, Adam? Uh, great introduction. I, I appreciate that. There's one great analyst here, and then there's Frank Stample. So you'll get a lot of advice here from Sina Jad. And it's nice to be on this side of the table. Honestly, I, I'm I'm very excited. It's fu- Oh, man. Being an analyst is so much more fun than being a host. The, 100%. The, the occasional times when I get to be on the other side of the table, it's just like, this is so easy. Sia Najad is also here. Sorry, Frank. Sia is on the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast with Frank. Um, Welcome, Sia. You can see why I like doing shows with Frank, because he just fills me up with with confidence with all the compliments. So, Frank, thank you for that. Um, I'll see if I can live up to that that compliment. He's a a complimenter. He's a very nice guy, for sure. Uh, We've got some news and notes to get to. We've got uh, a Wayne Gallman update. I know everybody likes that. And some week one stuff, but this is mostly going to be a mailbag show. Anybody got uh, any drafts left? Yeah, I have my two home league drafts this week, and we're recording this on Friday. I have one Friday night, and then I have one on Sunday morning as well. And I'm probably going to do another high stakes league, something on NFFC. I haven't figured out the date yet. Maybe Wednesday night, like right before the season starts. Okay. Yeah, I've I've got uh, two drafts to go. One Tuesday night, one Wednesday night. The Wednesday night one usually takes place in Vegas, but because mm. of certain COVID issues, we decided to to stay uh, local. But uh, I'm looking. That's that's my quote high higher stakes league. So I'm looking forward to that one. I, where do you draft in Vegas? Like- yeah, so we get a big suite, uh, like a, actually one that's not super expensive usually at like the Vidara, for example. They have these kind of big, almost like business-oriented suites that you can get, which have several bedrooms. And it's actually a pretty reasonable price because the Vidara isn't actually attached to a casino. It's next to a casino, but it's not attached to one. So it's a little bit more reasonable. 
And uh, it's a perfect place to draft. These rooms are like 1,600 square feet. You get four or five guys in on it, and, and you're not paying much at all. Mm, wow, you could definitely be a salesman for the Vidara, by the way. That was, I, I have like, Can I have sponsor us. We'll just, wa- just walk, like, yeah, I could walk to a casino. I could walk across the street. This is not really a problem. All right, let's get to it, guys. Here are your news and notes Carson Wentz, Ryan Kelly, Zach Pascal, all off the reserve COVID list. Now, this, these are news items as of Friday afternoon. So there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen between now and the time you listen. Just keep that in mind. Carson Wentz is, is optimistic about playing week one. Atlanta signed Wayne. Gallman, yeah. Anytime something happens with Wayne Gallman, people just think I'm like over the moon because I get to play the music, and they're right. Does anybody see this as a threat to Mike Davis? In fact, Heath, Jamie, both picked up Wayne Gallman. I was asleep with the wheel, or not really. I was just asleep, uh, you know, not really thinking about this. But I probably should have picked up Wayne Gallman. He's not the worst player to add right now. Um, does anybody think this is a threat, Frank, to to Mike Davis? I don't think it's necessarily a threat. I think they were always going to use a second running back to some capacity. Mike Davis, obviously the one a there for the Atlanta Falcons. We know Arthur Smith coming over from the Tennessee Titans. He loved to run the ball with Derrick Henry. He does not have a Derrick Henry in Atlanta. So I think this is going to be some kind of tandem, uh, maybe not so much early on as Wayne Gallman kind of gets up to speed here. But I think as the season goes along, he's definitely going to work his way in and he's a serviceable backup. We've seen that before. He's fine. I think in some deeper leagues, you know, I, I did a draft back in mid August where I have, Quadri Allison. So I'm going to be dropping him and, and hopefully adding Wayne Gallman uh, as a Mike Davis handcuff. Okay. Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay practiced and both are optimistic about playing in week one. <laughs> Kenny Galladay basically admitting the Giants offense could get off to a slow start because of all the injuries, which, you know, that's very refreshing. Uh, Sia, what is your week one take on Barkley or Galladay or the, you know, these questionable Giants going up against a good Broncos team? Good, well, well, sorry. Probably a good Broncos defense, I should say. Yeah, I mean, I'm not very optimistic. Obviously, if it's DFS, I'm not playing him at all. But if I, if I have them in my year-long leagues, you know, I feel like if you, if you sprung on Saquon Barkley, you almost feel like you have to play him unless you really went, you know, heavy with the depth at running back. And then maybe you can sit him depending on what you think his pitch count is going to be. I think come Sunday, when that game starts, I think we're going to get a really good idea of, of how many snaps, how, how much volume he might get. And you're just going to have to make that decision Sunday morning. But I don't think it's out of the question at this point that you might have to sit Saquon Barkley, depending on what we hear. Fifth most ex- expensive running back on FanDuel, so I don't, I don't see a reason to pay up for him there. Uh, Carolina claimed Royce Freeman. Frank, do you think this is a threat to Christian McC- Uh No. Curtis Samuel expected to play week one. See, uh, yeah, as a Washington football team fan, this guy has dropped so much in average draft position. He, you could get him, you know, round 11 in some drafts, Curtis Samuel. Chris Towers, his bold prediction is that Curtis Samuel will be better than McLaurin, I think it was. Uh, no, I don't think that's going to happen. But still, people are, are just forgetting about him. What do you think about Curtis Samuel? Yeah, I think they are forgetting about him a little bit. Obviously, if he's going in round 11, that's that's probably way too late. But there are other weapons to consider there. You know, they, obviously, you got McLaurin. Logan Thomas sucks up a lot of targets. Antonio Gibson's going to be catching passes. J.D. McKissick's still on that team. So th- the, the problem with Curtis Samuels, we're not exactly sure how Ron Rivera and company are going to use him. But I totally agree with you. If, if you have him sitting there in the ninth round, he's, he's a great value. Would I take him in the eighth? With what receivers are usually there in the eighth? Probably not. But in the ninth or tenth, absolutely. Yeah, last ADP I saw for Samuel was around 130th overall. Uh, Giovanni Bernard has a mild high ankle sprain, but apparently he's expected to be back for week one. They have a Thursday night game against Dallas. 
Brandon Ayuk still out with a hamstring injury. And Tony Romo loves Zach Wilson. Tony Romo thinks that Wilson is going to be in the discussion of one of the top three to five quarterbacks uh, pretty quickly. He thinks he, you know, he, he kind of compared him to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so, you know, it's interesting. Nobody's really drafting Wilson as a potential rookie year fantasy star. I don't think you should, but if you're in a dynasty league, I, I thought I thought the fact that he was probably correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I think going fourth among quarterbacks, I mean, he's definitely behind Lawrence and, and Fields and Lance. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, just because he's not going to run as much, you, you might have gotten a bargain with Zach Wilson, and we will see. All right, Frank, tell me about the Fantasy Today DFS podcast. Yeah, so in season, we're going to be dropping the podcast Tuesday and Thursday afternoons. The Tuesday podcast, more often than not, is going to be a look back on the week and kind of things that we learned, things that we, maybe mistakes that we made, things that we did right, and an early look ahead to the slate. We'll take a look at some salaries. and uh, But on Thursday, that's when we're really going to get into the games. We're going to go deeper into the stats, uh, give you the players that we like, the stacks that we like, the players that we're looking to fade. So Tuesday, more of a recap, early look ahead, and then Thursday will be a really, really deep dive into all of the games. And you can find that Fantasy Football Today DFS. And see, are you going to be able to sort of, uh, how do you, I guess, how do you project roster percentage, you know, which players are going to be rostered or started in, you know, not started, but rostered in a lot of DFS lineups and whatnot? Well, initially you can ballpark it when salaries come out just by looking at salaries and looking at game totals. So, I mean, I think a lot of times we'll see a high game total. Like let's take the Arizona Cardinals and the Tennessee Titans. And we can kind of, you know, that that's, I think, a, like a 51 and a half game total. The Chiefs and the Browns are 53 for week one. So you can kind of ballpark where you think the ownership's going to be. But but I'll tell you, I believe Sportsline's going to have some ownership as well. So when we're doing our FF, FFT DFS show Tuesday, well, we won't have ownership that early. Kind of no one will. And if they do, it's wrong. Uh, Thursday, though, I think we'll have some indication as maybe, you know, where the shares are going, where the ownership is going. And then we can kind of, you know, tell the audience, hey, maybe these guys are, are some guys to fade because of ownership. Maybe this is chalk to, quote, eat regardless of ownership, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Later on in the show, after we do the emails and the Apple Podcast questions, we're going to talk more DFS, general strategies, week one stuff. That's coming up a little bit later. Let's start with your Apple Podcast questions from Grant Witcher. I tried to follow the great or late tight end strategy in my first draft, and I ended up with Evan Ingram in the 12th round, and now I really want an upgrade. It is a 12-team super flex league, and I can trade Ingram and Josh Allen for Aaron Rodgers and Mark Andrews. It's super flex. So Ingram and Allen for Rodgers and Andrews. My other quarterback is uh, Jalen Hurts, and I, is that Taysom Hill? Um, is it worth it to do this, or do I ride with Ingram and, and possibly end up streaming all year? I think this comes down to who's available on your waiver wire right now, so I would like to know that on the surface. It seems like a pretty fair trade. Obviously, going from Josh Allen to Aaron Rodgers is a downgrade, but... I think going from Evan Ingram to Mark Andrews is a substantial upgrade. So it's a fair deal. I would want to know who's on your waiver wire. But if you don't want to worry about streaming tight ends all year, Mark Andrews is just a plug and play. He's going to be in your lineup every single week. Originally, I was a little bit worried about Andrews this year because I like Rashad Bateman, the player. I think he's going to be awesome. But the fact that he's missing the first month, I think Andrews kind of steps in. He's the top target in this offense. They use him in the red zone right away. I would take this trade so you don't have to worry about streaming tight ends. So I got to push back just a little bit here because I do think Josh Allen is 
maybe a little bit too valuable. The thing about Evan Ingram is he did practice in full pads. I, I think it was either this morning or yesterday. So I think there was some question with respect to his injury. I don't like Evan Ingram either. Of course, I agree that Mark Andrews is better uh, in several different ways. But one thing to consider with Aaron, jo- Aaron Rodgers is that David Bakhtiari is on pup and he's not going to play, I guess, the first six games. So the best pass blocking left tackle in the entire league is not there for Aaron Rodgers. So I think you, you, you might just slot Rodgers down just a touch. And I just think Josh Allen is too strong here. I'd take the risk with Ingram or the streaming, personally. Yeah, the Bakhtiari thing is interesting. He played without Bakhtiari for, I think, six games last year. I think seven, actually. I think five regular season and two postseason. And Rodgers tore it up. Uh, he was great without Bakhtiari. But that doesn't mean it will happen again. It still is a major injury. There's no question. They also don't have last year's center, Corey Lindsley. The Packers are probably going to be starting two rookies on their offensive line. So, yeah, that is a strike against him. As far as the greater late tight end strategy goes, it's it's catchy, it's great, but last night, or Thursday night, I drafted, and Gerald Everett is my starting tight end, and I hate that. Um, I just missed out on Kyle Pitts in the fifth round. I just missed out on Tyler Higby in like the ninth round or something. I would have been happy with that. Uh, these guys went one or two picks before me. So I have Gerald Everett and I have Evan Ingram, and I hate it. But I am pretty solid everywhere else. And I talked. I don't want to repeat this too much as I talked about this on yesterday's show, but what I really have learned through the years is that we, you know, Vance McDonald was a guy that we were excited about as like tight end eight in ADP or something a few years ago. And it's just, this is such a horrible position that I'm not going to pass up a guy like Devontae Smith or something like that to take Tyler Higby. I'd rather just stream the position and I'm not going to pass up players at other positions that I think can be great. So that's why I'm at greater late because you just, you get, oh, well, I can get Tyler Higby. He'll be fine. I can get Gerald Everett. It, like, you know, the Everett you can get super late. But John U. Smith, it, the odds of them really making an impact to me are very low. And they won't be that much better than the waiver wire pickups. So that's why I just kind of kept neglecting it and settled on Everett and Ingram and see what happens. And I'll be fine streaming, but I loaded up at other positions. Adam, break the tie. Would you take the I trade? Would, I would do the trade. I would do Andrews and Rodgers for, for Allen and Ingram. I would. But I see both sides. All right, from the steerage. 10-team half PPR, one quarterback, two receivers, one flex. I have the 10th pick, and uh, the second pick has offered me a trade. It's his... So this, by the way, is a dynasty draft. I'm sorry. I think I... I think that... Yeah, it, it is. So he has the 10th pick, and he's been offered the number two pick for his rounds one and two pick, and a running back of his choosing. He would trade up to number two, and he would get Kyle Pitts. Um, what do you think about that? Like giving up pick 10. I think this is a dynasty league. So pick 10 in, uh, the first, so is, two... this a, is this a rookie draft then? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So giving up pick 10 and 11. So that's the swing pick in a 10 team league. No, dynasty. I mean, it might be pick, pick one ten and two ten. you know? Okay. Yeah. It could be two ten. Hmm. For Kyle Pitts and an RB of my choosing. Yeah. Yeah. I would do that. Yeah, I mean, look, Kyle Pitts is one of those. We were just talking about tight ends, and I think that he has the best chance of those mid-tier tight ends, you know, Pitts, Andrews, and TJ Hawkinson, to move into that elite territory. By next year, we could be drafting him as a second or third round pick and redraft. I I really do think that's possible for him. So for years to come, I mean, by next year, he might be the number one tight end in, in Dynasty. He might already be. 
I know, I know, uh, I know Heath has his, uh, his dynasty ranking. So yeah, I, I would, I would do it to get Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I agree. All right. From five, four, two, six. I hear a lot of concerns about Josh Jacobs, but I haven't heard much about Kenyon Drake in non PPR is Jacobs bad at the three, four turn. And what is Drake going to take away? Sia, what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, Jacobs is probably bad on the 3-4 turn. I think it depends on who's there, but I'm completely off Jacobs. Okay, a couple things. One is Drake got paid two years, $11 million guaranteed with the opportunity to get up to $14 million, which means he's making, just for just for the record, this doesn't matter too much because Josh Jacobs is still on his rookie contract, but he makes twice as much money as Josh Jacobs. But any any running back that's getting $11 million guaranteed for two years is going to have a role. Like clearly the Raiders like him. So I think they're going to use him quite a bit. And, and I think he could be vulturing more work from Josh Jacobs than people think. Oh, and by the way, about a half an hour ago, the Raiders signed Peyton Barber. And I know as a Washington football fan, the only reason you use Peyton Barber is to take away touches in the red zone from Antonio Gibson. Well, the new Antonio Gibson is Josh Jacobs. <laughs> it's just not a good setup for Josh Jacobs. I mean, he's going to have a couple games where he has a couple touchdowns here and there, but there's there's too much volume to go around with Peyton Barber and newly minted Kenyon Drake. Okay. From Tyler. What are your thoughts on having Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown on the same team? I have a trade in place. I can give up A.J. Brown to get Keenan Allen. No, I would rather have A.J. Brown. I, I know it's tough to put all your eggs in one basket, per se, with the Tennessee Titans, but I mean, those are two super elite level players. So I, I, I kind of just look the other way on something like that, and I would keep Henry and A.J. Brown. All right, next one is from Toral C. Hey, Laszlo, Nandor, and Guillermo. Let's go, Adam. Yeah. The new season is out on Hulu. I haven't watched anything yet, but I am I'm probably gonna I'm gonna dip my toes in the water this weekend. Is it not on FX? Is it? But it's I, on Hulu, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, I don't have Hulu, but I have FX. So you know, this uh, yeah, I mean I, I believe it's it's aired on FX, but they added to Hulu. Okay, okay. This is or at what, least I'm what, hoping so. What so, we do so in the, the shadows. For the people like me that yeah. don't know what you're talking about, what what is this? This is what we do in the shadows. I think it's such a funny show. It's uh, I love it. Yeah, you have to watch it. It's it's kind of like filmed in the office style of a sitcom, but it's oh, okay. vampires. It's, yeah. it's hilarious. Very funny. Okay. All right, PPR 10-team league. I get Lamar Jackson and Kareem Hunt. I give up Ryan Tannehill and Clyde edwards Zeller. And he would still have Eckler and Mike Davis as a starting running back. So he'd give up Lamar Jackson and Kareem Hunt. No, no, no. He'd get Lamar Jackson and Kareem Hunt. He'd give up Tannehill and Clyde edwards Zeller. That is that's a no. That's a no for me, dog. That's pretty close, but I would keep Tan Hill and Clyde Edwards Euler. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I think I'm. I think I probably would too, because I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire upside. Like I, I don't know what his floor is, but I know his upside is pretty high. So I think I'd probably hang on to that. Also, he has Julio Jones as one of his wide receivers, so he has that connection with Tan Hill. Oh, right yeah, near. the stack. All right, Celeste in the land of the lobster roll. I don't know anything about geography or anything like this. So when you normally throw this stuff Dave Richards way and he could just, he just knows it. Cause I mean, the guy's a genius. I have no idea. Where, where do they eat lobster rolls? Uh, Maryland. I don't know. Maine. Lobster rolls are Maine. Crab right. cakes. I know are Maryland. If you say so. I, I believe you. Well, Google says so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Celeste from Maine needs trade advice. Full PPR, 10 team league. Should I trade Gus Edwards to get Aaron Rodgers straight up? At running back, I have Eckler, Aaron Jones, Mostert, and Jamal Williams. At quarterback, I have Jalen Hurts and and Trey Lance. 
No. Also, no. Yeah, I say no. I mean, I I draft Edwards ahead of Rodgers, so. I love Jalen Hurts, too. I say what you want about him as a passer, but, I mean, we've talked about, about him on the DFS podcast a few times already. He's going he's gonna to run a ton. I, I think he can run for 1,000 yards. So if you miss out on that Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson group, I think Jalen Hurts is that next one up in terms of rushing potential. And Gus Edwards is, on, is the number one running back on a team that rushed for 192 yards a game last year. <laughs> so I just I, – I don't care who it is. You could literally – it could be Gus Edwards, which is like the most normal name ever. You could literally say the guy's like Tom Jones or whatever it is, and I'd be like, yeah, that, I don't know who he is, but he's got a great opportunity. Gus has a great opportunity. Yeah, I, I'm pretty optimistic about Gus Edwards. And it's full PPR, so that hurts. But, you know, yeah, don't do the trade. All right, from Drickus. I have Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, Melvin Gordon, A.J. Dillon, and Tony Pollard. All right, Kamara, Aaron Jones, Melvin Gordon, A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard. It's half PPR. Uh, not sure how I got Aaron Jones and Kamara, but I did. <laughs> Good job. I'm not sure either. Good job. Should I drop one of the running backs to pick up Xavier Jones Jr. Now he means Tony Jones, so let's just make sure it's Tony Jones. Should I drop one of the running backs to handcuff Kamara with Tony Jones? So obviously you're not drafting you're not drafting dropping Kamara or Jones or AJ Dillon. So would you drop Melvin Gordon or Tony Pollard for Tony Jones? I would. I wouldn't. I mean, we don't even know for sure that Tony Jones. I know they said it on the preseason broadcast, but. Latavius Murray is still on the team, as far as I've seen. I know that there was a lot of cuts that happened this week. So he's still there. I think, you know, if anything happens to Kamar, it's probably they're going to use both of those running backs. And if something happens to Zeke, Tony Pollard is instantly a top 10 running back. So I'd rather have him. Yeah, totally agree. All right, Percy Harvin, 12. 10-team, full PPR league. Only have to start one running back, one receiver, one tight end, but there are five flexes. Should I just focus on drafting as many wide receivers as possible and not prioritize running back, seeing how I only have to start one a week? 100% in full PPR. Yeah, I mean... I like, I, I'm I like mean, 84% on that, Fred. I'm not quite as gung-ho. Well, there's a lot of pass-catching running backs. So, I mean, I, I think you, you might get value created there regardless at the running back position because of that mindset. But, I mean, the, the, the problem is receivers so deep. I mean, you... <laughs> You go to like between like 60 and 100 overall, and you're still getting high quality receivers. So I think you could maybe load up a little bit on running back early uh, and maybe take advantage of some people who are loading up on wide receiver, not realizing that there's plenty of good talent at wide receiver later as well. Adam, I know you talk about this a lot on the podcast, and you brought up multiple times this draft season how, you know, we're often drafting the ninth or 10th running back where we're drafting the third wide receiver. And in full PPR, I mean, the value just doesn't add up. I mean, we're, we're usually doing that because we have to start two running backs. In a, in a situation like this where you only need to start one and you have five flex options, maybe I jumped the gun 100% is, is too much. But if if running back falls to a good value in your draft, sure, you could take one and throw them in the flex. You don't you have to completely look the other way. But I just think that there's so many awesome wide receivers, especially like that top tier, the top 20 to 30, that I, I would look that way in a league like this. Yeah, I don't know that it would change my first round all that much. It would probably push Adams and maybe it would push like the top five receivers up a little bit. But I guess I would say the reason why we take 10 running backs before we take, you know, a third wide receiver is because we still think a guy like Saquon Barkley has, you know, 25 point per game upside or something. And no wide receiver really does in PPR. So I think once you run out of the guys who can really be true superstars, then you could pivot to 
being more like, like you don't have to take Clyde Edwards Elair over Keenan Allen or something like which I don't know that right. I do anyway. But I, yeah. I'm still the the first ten or so running backs that I still think have a chance to be uh true superstars. I don't know if there are ten, but they're close. Uh, to me, there's I'm know. looking at the ADP the last week on NFFC. Mm-hmm. To me, the cutoff is 13. So yeah. once you get into like Saquon, Gibson, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, that group, right after that, yeah. you have Clyde Edwards Elair, David Montgomery, James Robinson. Those guys are fine, but for me, that, that top 13 that ends with Mixon, Harris, Gibson, that's kind of where I would draw the cutoff line. And I don't really think Mixon and Gibson are are in that. I think they're just after Harris and Barkley. And you know, I don't think they're quite superstar potential, but a lot of people do. So that's that's fine. All right. A few more here from Apple from R.I. Lighthouse. I have McCaffrey as a keeper in a 10 team half PPR league. Who should I take with the fifth pick? Barkley, Eckler or Kelsey? Have McCaffrey, Barkley. Half PPR, 10 teams. I would take Kelsey is tempting there because then you just have that elite tight end. I would still go with Austin Eckler. Yeah, it's between Eckler or Kelsey for sure. My lean is always going to be with the running back there, but I mean, I wouldn't argue with Kelsey, but I would probably take Eckler as well. Orchids of Asia has a 12-team PPR league, two flexes, and it's okay. So it's one quarterback, one tight end, two running backs, two wide receivers, two flex, kicker, and a defense, and an IDP. One defensive back and one linebacker, so two IDPs. Uh, not exactly the deepest roster. It's pretty pretty standard, I guess. How important is it that I get a top IDP player? You guys have any IDP experience or thoughts? I don't. I would love to play in an IDP league. I, I haven't really had the opportunity to do so, but seeing as how you only start one defensive back and one linebacker, I don't think there's going to be as much of an emphasis put on that early in your draft. So I think we, once you get into like the middle rounds, maybe you start to look at it, but I think the difference makers are going to last pretty long because they're only starting two IDPs here. Yeah, I agree with that. So I would say this, that, you know, the, the, you all probably know, I don't know if you were listening, but the one IDP league I play in starts nine IDPs. It's crazy. And they're, and we have 10 bench spots on top of that. So I don't really care that much about the IDPs. They just don't make that much of a difference. It's a full PPR league, and they obviously don't benefit from that. Um, it's a six-point per passing touchdown league. They just don't, like I said, uh, the uh, the top-scoring IDP last year scored as many points as oh, Todd Gurley, basically. So Damn. I was just like, I'm not going to invest too much in it. So I got, I think, Zaven Collins, uh, at one point, and then the last, my last eight picks were my other IDPs. We'll see how it turns out. Um, but in this format, I would prioritize it a little bit more because you can have, you can make a difference with your IDP spots. Uh, it's a smaller, it's it's a bigger percentage of your fantasy points, I think, in this scenario. And you know, there aren't as many just like interchangeable parts like there are in my IDP league. So what I would do, and I'm not the best at this, I don't really know the tiers that well. I would do some research and figure out how many elite defensive linemen there are, how many elite defensive backs there are. There's probably like six and six or something. Who knows? Something like, I think it's probably going to be around there and try to get one of those. I would not be the last person in your league to take an IDP at both spots. I would try to get an elite one. You know, like like pretend, for example, you won't, you, uh, Pretend this is quarterback and tight end, you know, and you want a top five or six quarterback and you want one of those six tight ends. That's kind of how I would approach it uh, with IDPs, except they're going to go later in the draft. 
And that is it for Apple Podcasts. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got some awesome emails. FantasyFootball at CBSI.com. Back after this. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Adam Azer with Frank Stample and Sian Najad talking DFS in just a little bit. Here's an email from Brad in a city south of Nashville. I'm going to give you all the geography ones, Frank. <laughs> um, let's go with Mobile, Alabama. Yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> that better be south of Nashville. I don't know. Wait, yeah, that's south of Nashville. I was going to say Cancun. That's technically south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course it is. Cancun is for sure. Okay. Hey, Brian, Darren, Dion, and Lashawn. Those, Those feel like Eagles. Eagles running backs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. My, oh, here we go. Miles Sanders is a guy I think is being penalized because he failed to deliver on lofty expectations. Um, basically, this is just a what do you think about Miles Sanders question. And you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to go to my two-quarterback league, and I'm going to offer my Josh Jacobs straight up for Miles Sanders and see what Love happens. It. Because I'm sick of this Miles Sanders. I'm sick of this Miles Slanders. Okay. These these, Miles Sanders slander is pissing me off. We have not seen him in the preseason. They they sat him. They they played barely anything because he's a starter and they value him. The other guys on the team are not better running backs than him. Kenneth Gainwell is going to be a third down back, perhaps. Boston Scott will get in the mix. Miles Sanders is their best running back. He had three carries of more than 70 yards last year. Running backs just don't do that. So he's going to be their goal line guy. Of course, I'm guessing about all of this, but I feel confident. I like him better than Josh Jacobs. I think we've gone too far. What do you guys think? This is perfect because I'll let Sia take it. I know that he's all over Miles Sanders. This emailer also brings up Raheem Mostert in the email. So, Sia, if you want to talk about both of those guys, I know you like both of them a lot. Well, I, you know, check out FFT DFS for all, like almost every show, I say something about Raheem Mostert, especially from a DFS standpoint. But I'll say this I, I think Miles Sanders, it's a classic case of, recency bias it's just what people see and they just glom onto it and they're like well this must be what's going to happen week one week two week three and so on miles sanders is a really good running back and to adam's point he's so much better than everybody else on the roster including kenny gainwell by the way he played i think only in 12 games last year uh, behind a very banged up injured bad offensive line and still averaged 5.3 yards per carry i know adam loves ypc uh <laughs> and and by the way the chris croft Crisscross references during the draft-a-thon were priceless, Adam. But no, I totally agree about Miles Sanders. I think Miles Sanders is going extremely undervalued. Can he flop? I guess. But, you know, a lot of these running backs that are outside of the top 10 absolutely have some question marks next to them. And I think Miles Sanders 
is potentially a league winner for people. And and I think something else that people haven't really taken into account is that the fact that he's going to be playing alongside Jalen Hurts, where we've seen this all throughout, you know, the past really decade, right? Or really since Michael Vick has come into the league because he's kind of changed the position. But anytime a running back has played alongside a rushing quarterback, it opens up running lanes. It makes mm-hmm. things more efficient for that player. So if the offensive line is better, which it's expected to be, the offense overall should be better. They bring in Devontae Smith. They still have both tight ends. Jalen Hurts is going to be running. That opens up running lanes for Miles Sanders. I agree. I mean, I think people have gone too far the other way. I, I was never in on him as like a third round pick when that was happening. But now he's being pushed all the way down into like the fifth round. So yeah. if you get him as your RB2 there, sure. Why not? Mm-hmm. I am I am going to take Gus Edwards over him. But I, you know, I was on the clock and I was like, Jacobs or Sanders, Jacobs or Sanders. And I, I would think, I, yeah, I was doing a, a FFT and 5 podcast at the time. And so I took Jacobs and I regretted it. And uh, I made the trade offer. Let's see if George Maselli accepts. I make a lot of trades with George. So I have some confidence here. Next email is from Dave. In a two-receiver non-PPR league, you don't need to take a wide receiver until round five or later. That's all it says. Two-receiver non-PPR league, you don't need to take a wide receiver until round five or later. That's I don't, true. I don't know if it's necessarily round five. I would probably try to get three running backs in my first four or five picks in a non-PPR league, but if that means taking a, a wide receiver in round three, like a Terry McLaurin or one of the Cowboys guys, something like that, I would be okay with that. I mean, I would still, even in a non-PPR league, I would want a top 12 to 15 wide receiver on my team if I can afford to do so. But yeah, I mean, the first two picks I'm probably looking at running back in this t- kind of format and then probably trying to add another one as my flex maybe in like the fourth or fifth yeah and I I agree I like to take one of the the top eight receivers with with one of my first two two picks but to his point you don't need to do it and I, I think what he's trying to say is yeah I mean Frank and I might have a different drafting strategy but if you were to go quarterback and tight end early and grab three elite running backs for example you can get away with filling out your roster at the receiver position with guys like Robbie Anderson, potentially Chase Claypool, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Michael Pittman. I mean, I could literally name Tyler Boyd, Michael Gatt. Like I can name 10 or 15 more guys that if you're elite at other places and you're taking shots at upside rounds five or later for your next, let's say five picks, a few of those are definitely going to pan out and, and you're looking at a team with a ton of upside. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny if we talk about like the hero RB or the anchor RB in a PPR league, you take one running back later and you kind of load up early, sorry, first round, second round, and you kind of load up at other positions. I think I actually could see doing, you know, hero wide receiver in a non PPR league because I do think there's a pretty big separation between guys from Adams to say like AJ, the AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, let's say the top eight wide receivers in non PPR. It's deeper in full PPR because you can throw Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, and, and McLaurin in there. I don't know how many touchdowns McLaurin's going to score. I want one of them. I really do. But yeah, I, I don't I don't have any non-PPR drafts. I have one non-PPR league, it's but it's a dynasty league. And you know, look, having having good receivers. I have Stefan Diggs, Terry McLaurin, and Robert Woods in that league. It it really helps, <laughs> even though it's non-PPR. So I wouldn't neglect it completely, but you can definitely uh focus on running back. From Todd. Uh not intended, but I waited on running back, and I feel like this is a good team. 10-team PPR, 10th pick. Okay, so for those of you who have a late pick in a 10-team PPR league, this is what your team could look like if you pass on running back. He took Mahomes and Hill. 
We would never take Mahomes in the top 10, but a lot of people would. So Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, that's fun. A.J. Brown and Keenan Allen with picks three and four. DeAndre Swift, and he passed on, oh, he passed on Carson, yikes. Uh, Gus Edwards, Sanders, Gaskin, Jacobs, okay. So he took Swift, okay. Uh, and Kyle Pitts. So at this point, he, he has Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen, Kyle Pitts, and DeAndre Swift. Then he took Henderson and Mostert. Then he took Trey Sermon and Sutton. I think that's terrific. Yeah. I do think that the having Mahomes and Hill is awesome to have that combo, but the opportunity cost of taking Mahomes there, it's you 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 missed out on getting an elite running back. So I, I mean I would have done that personally, taking a running back there with Tyreek Hill because yeah, while you wound up with Swift and, and Henderson and Mostert and, and hopefully one of those players emerges, it's a ten team league. So you kinda wanna you want to stand out at at positions as best as you can. And if you're behind the pack and running back, I just don't love doing that myself. So uh, I probably would have, you know, instead I would have taken a running back in the first two rounds and then where you took Swift or Henderson or Moster, you probably could have still gotten a really, really strong quarterback there. So it's just the opportunity cost of taking Mahomes that early. Yeah, I agree. I think he made a mistake with Mahomes, but I do think he kind of made up for it with the running backs that he got. I like how he tried to secure the 49ers backfield with Mostert and Sermon. Just one watch out there is Jeff Wilson probably will be back by week seven. So that's going to be a lot more muddled, uh, assuming everybody's healthy uh, come the middle of the season there. Okay. And uh, yes, you also have a team name behind the back at running back, behind the pack at running back. So good job, <laughs> Frank. This is from Allen, 10 team PPR. Can you weigh in on later round strategy? Handcuff, do you take still handcuffs and upside players, or do you pick stronger positional players since the pool of players will be there in a 10 team PPR league? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, do you still take handcuffs in 10 team leagues? And I'll just, I'm going to pull up a 10 team draft. It was a super flex draft, but I'll, I'll pull up a 10 team draft we did last night for reference. Go ahead, Frank, or see if you want to weigh in. Yeah, I think in a 10 team league, Again, you're like you're trying to separate as best as you can. So I think I probably looked the other way on handcuffs there, and I'm probably just trying to grab as much upside as I possibly can. And it depends what you do early on, right? So if you're a little bit more running back heavy, maybe you take more shots on wide receivers late in your draft to see if you can find one, a gem that kind of just like pops off early in the season and becomes this breakout player. If you take wide receivers early, maybe you do the opposite. And you don't necessarily have to take the handcuff on your team. Earlier, we mm-hmm. talked about A.J. Dillon and Tony Pollard. Aaron Jones, as great as he is, He's been injury prone. If something happens to him, A.J. Dillon has league-winning upside. Ezekiel Elliott has been pretty durable in his career, but if something happens there, Tony Pollard, I believe, has top 10 running back upside. So uh, you don't necessarily have to take the handcuffs for your team, but just take the highest upside handcuffs is, I guess, the point. Yeah, I love that. And I also love taking handcuffs of other teams, too, because it becomes really good trade leverage. If you want to throw that handcuff in, you know, let's say week three or week four with with something a little bit more valuable to get something back. I think a lot of people really like to they get really nervous that they don't have the handcuff and they give up a little bit more than they should. Yeah, looking at our draft last night, again, it was super flex, but it was still 16 rounds. So, you know, that's probably like a 14 round 10 team league without the super flex. You still have a mix of Mike Williams, Elijah Moore, um, some backup tight ends, but then you have a Tyson Williams and Alexander Madison uh, mixed in with Miko Hardman and Henry Ruggs. So whatever suits your team, but yeah, those are all mix. great picks. Like great. Right. Yeah. yeah. And just talking a little bit more on 10 team leagues, 
Adam, I know that recently you guys did a podcast on strategy. How does it change 10 team versus 12 team and 14 team and 16 team? And Jamie brought up a really good point in that you want to differentiate yourself at quarterback and tight end. So if it means reaching on those positions a little bit earlier in your 10 team league to make sure that you can compete with other teams, it's worth it to do that rather than maybe just uh, drafting a quarterback late. And you know that you're going to have all this depth on your team, running back wide receiver depth. It's so hard to make these two for one, three for one trades in 10 team leagues because everyone's team is stacked. So you think that, oh, I might have this awesome depth. Like, oh, I could just make a trade at some point in the season. It's not that easy. Like I've played in 10 team leagues and okay, I have this awesome bench, but more often than not, people don't want to make like two for one or three for one trades in those type of leagues. Yeah, yeah interesting. And yeah, we Heath and I shared the team in the podcast uh, podcast for the people league. We had seventh pick, and our first two picks were Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. And I, I saw that on Twitter. That is that is hot, as you would. Call yeah, it. it was hot, and I just like you know what? This may not be smart, but it's fun. Let's just go yeah. have fun. Let's see what we're gonna do. That is fun. Okay, next question is from Zach. Dear Steve, Eddie, Frank, and Derek. At first, I was thinking this is family matters, but I think this is actually Tennessee Titans. Hmm. I started thinking Tennessee Steve, Titans as well. Steve McNair, Eddie George, Frank, and Derek. Oh, Derek, Derek Henry is, um... and Derek Henry. Yeah, but uh, yeah, well, no, exactly. he spelled it differently. That's oh, right. Yeah, then uh, then I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, <laughs> we are we are failing. No, yeah, Frank Wycheck. That's what I was thinking. It's got to be Frank. That's that's why I thought it was the Titans. All right. Anyway, uh, twelve team PPR and pick eight. What am I doing? Grading this team? Okay, grade the team. Twelve team PPR, two running backs, three receivers, and two flex. Dak Prescott, Aaron Jones, Melvin Gordon. That, yeah, that's the one. I know Heath drafted him yesterday in a in a zero RB approach. I just like cannot get excited about that. But okay, Aaron Jones, Melvin Gordon, Dak Prescott, Ridley, Lamb, Julio, Judy, Pittman, Kyle Pitts. He also has AJ Dillon, Devin Singletary, JD McKissick on his bench, and Savan Ahmed and and some others. What do you guys think about this team? That's pretty damn good for a twelve team league. Mm-hmm. It is pretty good. I will give it a B plus with the obvious downside is the RB2 being Melvin Gordon. But considering it's a full PPR, you have great wide receivers, Calvin Ridley, CD Lamb. You have the hookup there with Lamb and Dak Prescott. Julio Jones is your wide receiver three. Jerry Judy as your four. He's going to be one of your flex options. That is awesome. And then you have Kyle Pitts, who I'm I'm all over. I think, you know, again, he has he could have elite upside. So, uh, yeah, B plus for me. We'll, we'll figure out the RB2. Yeah, I agree. Tim from Denver. I have the eighth pick in a 12-team half PPR league. I'm hoping to pair a first-round running back with Hopkins or Ridley. I have Ridley ranked higher, but sometimes Kyle Pitts and Mike Davis make it back to me in round five. I like both of them, but I don't love having two starters on the same team. Do you ever take that into consideration? I think, you know, we answered earlier with the Titans having A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry. I think it's a little bit different when you're talking about the Atlanta Falcons and then we're getting into players who, you know, with Mike Davis, where he's not really an elite player like uh, like A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry are. So uh, Ridley and Pitts, I think I would be all right with. But once you get into like Ridley and Mike Davis, I don't know if I want that many shares of the Falcons offense. So I think it's team dependent. The Titans, I'm all right with it. Yeah, yeah but I'm not I'm, team dependent. I don't know. I mean, it depends. Do you really think Hopkins 
a lot of people have Hopkins ahead of Ridley. If you like Ridley a lot more, I'm not going to mess with my second round pick because of my potential fifth round pick. You know Correct. what I mean? That's the way to look at it. So just take whoever you have ranked higher personally. And I would take Ridley over Hopkins, but it is very close. All right, this is uh, from Bryce from Columbia, South Carolina. Go Gamecocks. When you do your drafts, do you intentionally diversify your different teams to give yourself more possible outcomes of great teams? Or do most of your teams end up looking similar with a lot of the same players? I try not to think about what I drafted previously. And so usually what that ends up meaning is that I usually have a lot of overlap. I mean, if 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 you have different draft positions, that's probably not going to happen until the later rounds. Maybe you'll pick some of the same guys. But I really, you know, I, people do fantasy for fun. So, I mean, I think diversifying makes sense. I can tell you from a DFS standpoint, you know, you don't want to, you know, you're doing this weekly. And that's diversification enough because you have new teams each week. So, you know, if you believe in certain players, you need to play those certain players. So, I think in year long, it makes sense to diversify. I don't really try to do that. For example, a couple of the drafts that I've done, uh, bigger drafts that I've done, you know, I've got Jonathan Taylor in both. I've got Calvin Ridley in both. It just it just turned out that way because I didn't try to consider the other the other drafts. Yeah, so I, I usually do a, a good amount of drafts. And um, I would say diversify early on in your drafts if you can because it's hard. It's hard. To, it's like hindsight is twenty twenty. Last year, I had the first pick in like three of my most important expensive leagues. I took Christian McCaffrey in all of them, and it absolutely crushed me. But, I mean, I, I think you ask anyone, they would have taken Christian McCaffrey first overall. So I don't think that... That's necessarily a great example, but if you play, if you have like mid round picks and you want to diversify, all right, I'll take Austin Eckler in one, I'll take Aaron Jones in another. Uh, I would divers- diversify early, but if you have mid round targets or late round targets that you love and you feel really passionate about, I would say make sure to get all those players on all of your teams. Yeah. And then I would just say if you have picks five, six, seven, eight, or something like that, five, six, seven, in, uh, in several leagues. I wouldn't take Zeke in every league. I wouldn't take Aaron Jones in every league. I would probably, since I think those guys are pretty even, and I think they all have the same chance to be superstars, you know, between Kelsey, those two running backs, Devontae Adams, I'd probably diversify there. But, yeah, overall, just, there's no right answer. Just have fun with it and draft your favorite players. Adam, can I rankings. interrupt a second? Was yeah. that 5, 6, 7, 8, was that a Laverne and Shirley reference or something else? Just a music reference. Ah, okay. I've never well, seen. You're, you're too young for Laverne and Shirley. For everybody listening out there, that five, six, seven, eight uh, goes back to '80s <laughs> sitcom trivia, right there. So. Oh, I actually, you know, I grew up watching Nick at Night, like every night, and uh, I remember a little Laverne and Shirley. Not, I mean, not very clearly, but Frank, the intro is- song has the five, six, seven, eight. Anyway, uh, is that? How's the rest of the song go? Go ahead, sing it. Well, it's the words after that are like super confusing. It's like Schlemiegel. Yeah, okay, Schlemiegel. okay, okay. Yeah, I know what it is. They yeah. did a parody of that in Wade's World. Oh, okay. Or Wade's right. World 2 or whatever, which, whichever one it was. Um, okay. Uh, last email here is from Aaron. Uh, I like to make the most of my bench running back upside stashes, guys who could get some work but are an injury away from being the waiver wire out of the week. Looking for guys available on waivers in most leagues. The list I have so far is some mix of Jarek McKinnon, Justice Hill, Kenneth Gainwell, Tony Jones Jr., and Justin Jackson. How would you rank those guys in PPR? And who would you add to the list with them? And so this is players available on waivers. It's not A.J. Dillon and Alexander Madison. They're, they're drafted, apparently, in this league. But, you know, who are your favorites from that list? McKinnon, Justice Hill, Gainwell, Tony Jones, Justin Jackson. 
I think Kenny Gainwell stands out for me. I know we spoke about Miles Sanders. I do think Gainwell is going to have some kind of role. Maybe it's mm-hmm. you know four to six touches early on, but if something happens to Sanders, I could see him uh, gaining a bigger role. And then it's probably Justin Jackson. I know that we're still trying to figure out necessarily the, the depth behind Austin Eckler, but I think he's the next running back up for the Chargers. So I would go Gainwell and Jackson. McKinnon is interesting if anything happened to uh, to Clyde Edwards either. But yeah. I think I'd go Gainwell, Tony Jones, then probably Justin Jackson, uh, and then Jarek McKinnon. I would take Justice Hill off the list just because I think Tyson Williams has that number two job, and I don't think he's being drafted either. I think you could add Wayne Gallman to the list because he's, we talked about it at the front end of the show, he's behind a 28, almost 29-year-old Mike Davis who we're not really sure about. So uh, I think that makes sense too. I think Tyson Williams, by the way, is a great call, and he's probably someone who's available. And let's throw Wayne Gallman in that mix too, who we spoke about earlier. You just said that. Frank. Oh, my bad. Come on, man. I do that a lot on the baseball podcast. <laughs> I'm looking off, so I'm looking the time. off at, at rankings right now, and then oh, I yeah. zone out and I don't listen. It's 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 bad. Only play Wayne Gallman in home games in the dome at Atlanta because if there's a stiff breeze, he could potentially get knocked over. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same thing with Kenneth Gainwell. The guy's five eight. He's shorter than I am, or you know, roughly the same height. But uh that's why he's not like he's not going to be their primary running back. Okay, DFS talk. So first things first, let's say I don't play DFS, Daily Fantasy Sports. I don't play on FanDuel or DraftKings or anything like that. Uh, Sell me on it. Give me your sales pitch, Sia. You already did it for that hotel in Vegas. So now do it for (laughs) DFS. Um, well, so the cool thing about DFS is, I mean, I, I obviously love year long and I love DFS. I think people should play both. DFS just gives you a little bit more. We used the word diversification earlier. You know, you can kind of pick players depending on matchups a lot more. Like you have, you're going to pick players in year long depending on matchups, but that's sort of within the confines of your own team. In DFS, you can just kind of look at games, look at matchups. Like for week one, you got Arizona, Tennessee or Philly, Atlanta or the, the Chiefs and the uh, the Browns, or the Packers and the New Orleans Saints. These are high-scoring games where you can just grab shares and kind of play, play GM just for a week. And you, ha- you have the potential at, like, you know, big cash prizes if you want to play some of these big tournaments that are admittedly hard to win and, and hard to cash in. Or you could play double-ups and, and double your money, and, you know, usually around 50% gets paid in those. It's just another fun way to play fantasy football. It's obviously very popular with, you know, the advent of DraftKings and FanDuel. I can tell you for the last, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years, I've been doing year-long NDFS, and they work really well together. And frankly, a lot of the DFS research really plays well with your year-long research and and vice versa. So it's really good to kind of study and play both because it's going to help both avenues out. I find myself caring, not caring more, but following more closely my DFS lineups on Sunday than my season long. I don't know why that is. It might be because I have so many season long and I don't play quite as much DFS as the as the pros do, but it is really fun. I mean, it's really fun to just be able to put together these kind of dream teams and try to find those diamonds in the roughs, know the sleepers that that have a low price. So, um with that, let's talk about just a little bit of general strategy and then we'll turn it ahead to to week 1. Um Frank, why don't you host this segment? You're the uh, host of the DFS podcast. I'm going to I'm going to kick back. All right. So look, we've basically done eight podcasts at this point, fantasy football today, DFS, and all of them, we've featured some kind of strategy segment. So you can go back and listen. You you can listen to all that. But if we're just doing a little bit of a synopsis here, I I would say the main points here that we hit on were figuring out your goals, 
playing within your means, right? So look, don't worry about what other experts and you know the, these big DFS players are doing and how much money they're putting in. Play however much you want to play and figure out what you want to do. If it's throwing a lineup in the Millie Maker every week, you have to realize you're probably not going to cash. But if that's what you want to do, if that's what you find fun, there's nothing wrong with that. And then the other things are, when it comes to lineup construction, we're paying close attention to stacking and correlations and things like that. So I would say for me, it's figure out your goals, play within your means. And then, you know, once we get into actual players and stuff, it's kind of making sure that your your lineups make sense is the correlation. Yeah, and I'll add to that because you kept saying stacking and correlation. I think for especially the beginner, the person who's barely played NFL DFS or barely played DFS in general, there is a kind of a, a steep learning curve, at least at the beginning, which is why FFT DFS is probably really important for the listener who's maybe somewhat new to that because the correlating, the correlating your lineups or stacking your lineups in, in stacking, of course, means you're, you're stacking the same players on one side of the ball. And the correlation part is you're, you're correlating that game or you're correlating players in that game on the other side of the ball. You have things like secondary stacks to consider in other games that you think have high fantasy value or potential. You have the punts that you're going to pick apart from one or two games here and there. Just that whole process and maybe the statistics to kind of look at whether it's red zone target share or target share or just sheer volume touches, things of that nature. Um, those are all really helpful. And kind of once you get the hang of that, you can start to kind of see, well, where where's where are the gold mines week to week? And right, so it's wait, really let's, to, let me, let's get definitions here just for people. So let's do an, an example. Let's say I want to stack. Um, right, let's, let's just do the Chiefs. Okay, Patrick Mahomes, week one against Cleveland. And Tyreek Hill or Kelsey or well, like give me what's a stack in this scenario and a correlation. Yeah, well, so if you wanted to use Patrick Mahomes with Tyreek Hill, by the way, both of those all, both of those players are very expensive. So this is a salary cap system that we're playing within. So you have to find players that are lower cost salary if you want to spend up on those. But basically, you can you put you take Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, and then on the other side, you think this game is a shootout. The Browns are expected to be playing from behind. You correlate that game where you take a Browns pass catcher, someone like Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham, and then next thing you know, if this game winds up being 42-35 and Patrick Mahomes threw two touchdowns to Tyreek Hill, Odell Beckham has a big game, then you have an opportunity to move up the standings by having uh, correlated players within that same game. Okay, yeah. So just want everybody to know, kind of just put it into an actual example. Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Odell Beckham. Uh, all right, uh, you guys want to get into week one or or what? Some of your favorite plays? Or? Sure. Okay, go for it. So I, I think the focus initially, I mean, typically, you know, salaries will come out on like a Tuesday, for example, and you'll kind of scan, you know, what's what what games you like, what salaries you like. I think the first step is usually looking at what games you like that that you're going to want to concentrate on. So just a few that stick out to me. I mean, Philly, Atlanta is very interesting. Arizona, Tennessee is very interesting. These are all games that have a 48-point total or higher, by the way. Seattle, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Buffalo. And then you round it out with uh, Kansas City, Cleveland, and New Orleans, Green Bay. So you, you want to kind of focus on that. That doesn't mean you can't grab players in other games. That doesn't mean there's not contrarian stacks you can play, like the Jets in Carolina. It's only got a 44-point total. But in my opinion, I think the over is coming in there. That that game could, depending on how that game flow goes, especially with all of Sam Darnold's weapons, you could easily stack, like, let's say, a Sam Darnold with a 
McCaffrey and a Robbie Anderson and bring it back with like a Corey Davis, for example, who in DraftKings will get a full point per catch. So those are kind of more contrarian stacks, but you do want to focus on those higher scoring games because Vegas usually does have it figured out. So let's talk about, for example, a game I've, I've mentioned a couple times on FFT DFS, Arizona, Tennessee. That, that's one of my favorite games. Tennessee is favored by three and a half. It's got a 52 point total. Um, something I might like there is you could play Kyler or Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill's a better you know, DFS value than most people think. But let's say I play Kyler Murray with DeAndre Hopkins. And let's say I throw out Rondale Moore, a, a cheap, a, a, an inexpensive guy that will kind of help out with getting some more expensive guys in my lineup. And then on the on the way back on the Tennessee side, I take, let's say I take Julio, Julio Jones over AJ Brown because I get some sort of discount there. So I've I've paid up a lot there. I've I found some some good, you know pricing with guys like Rondale Moore. So that's sort of my main stack. And then I go to another game I like. Let's say it's Seattle, Indianapolis. I do a secondary stack. I I grab a Tyler Lockett and let's say a Jonathan Taylor. If I can't afford Taylor, then it's maybe a Michael Pittman who's who's a lesser value. So now I've built out most of my kind of core lineup and I can go to a couple of other games I like. Maybe I grab a share from Kansas City, a cheap one like McCole Hardman. Maybe I grab a share from that um, Buffalo Pittsburgh game, maybe a cheaper receiver like a Gabriel Davis, who's going to give me some salary cap relief. And boom, I've built a lineup. I- I've built a stack. So hopefully that stack and secondary stack, hopefully they're high scoring like Vegas thinks they're going to be. And hopefully the the shares I've grabbed here and there are also um, you know profitable. And I will point out that the rookies are really uh, really cheap in week one. So Kyle Pitts is $4,400. He's going to be very popular. That's called a chalk play in DFS, someone who uh, is we're projecting to be rostered on many teams. And, uh, but you know, for good reason, uh, obviously, because the opportunity is there for Kyle Pitts. Devontae Smith is 4,500 in week one. I like him. And then just some cheaper plays. Mark, Mark Quez Calloway, $3,400. He's going to be very popular as well. Seems to be the wide receiver one for Jameis there. Uh, Marvin Jones, assuming that he's healthy, he is under 4K, which is very cheap. 3600 Look good with Trevor Lawrence in the preseason. And see, you mentioned the Cardinals and the Titans has a very high total. Chase Edmonds is 4600 He's obviously very cheap. It's full PPR. He can catch some passes. We'll see what the breakdown is between him and James Conner. But I think he's a, a lower cost running back if, if you need one. And Adam, I, I got a surprise for you. You ready? Oh, yeah, yeah. Are you ready for this? Because I trust you'll be playing DFS week one. Seattle, Indianapolis, 48 and a half point total. Yeah, pretty high, not the highest, but in that ballpark where it's just kind of a difference of a point or two here and there. Gerald Everett is only 3,400. I am going to be playing him week one. I'll just tell you that right now. I actually like Gerald Everett this year. And I think in a game like that, that's a pretty good value because he could be sneaky and really nobody's going to be on him because nobody really trusts Gerald Everett at this point. I am currently making my lineup for the FanDuel Millionaire Contest. And I'm just doing it based on, you know, I've got Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Odell Beckham. Okay, so I started with that. Uh, I went with Najee Harris, who's only seventy, is only 6,500, and Chase Edmonds as my running backs. Mm-hmm. I went with T. Higgins as my third receiver. George Kittle is my tight end. And I have the Broncos DST. So I need a flex, and I am deciding between DJ Moore against the Jets or Chris Carson at Indianapolis. And in my mind, like, you know, if I was somebody say, hey, who should I start, Carson or Moore? I would tell them to start Carson. Fandles half PPR too. So I feel like I should go Carson. But then again, you know, the Jets could be horrible defensively. The Colts won't be. And... 
Yeah, what should I do? Carson or DJ Moore? Does it I think just yeah. in a, in a vacuum in the half PPR, I probably would prefer Carson, but the fact that you're putting this lineup in a millionaire contest, you 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 want to differentiate. You want to do something a little bit different. So uh, the fact that there's three wide receivers on Carolina, people might be trying to figure out, well, which one should I use? You might get DJ Moore at a lower roster rate in week one. So because of that, I, I would go with DJ Moore. He's probably a little bit more contrarian than someone like Chris Carson. You know, I was yeah. actually going to go with Robbie Anderson with the revenge game, but <laughs> but I but Higgins was a little cheaper, and I just love T. Higgins. So I, And I, his price is great. I'm not looking at the FanDuel one, but I assume it's equally great because on DraftKings, he's very cheap. Yeah, it's 6000 on FanDuel. Uh, you know, it's cheaper than Robbie Anderson. You yeah. might want to look at the James Robinson. I think he's super oh, cheap. Yeah, they, you're right. They released this pricing right. before the injury to Travis Etienne. And he has a great matchup against the Houston Texans. So, I mean, he's going to be very popular. But you're, you're, It's a good point. You're absolutely right. And, you know, on DraftKings, it's a little harder to make a lineup. It's a little deeper, right? Well, I think it's the pricing a is a little bit stricter on DraftKings. Yeah. Not in week one. It's actually, you know, pretty soft pricing early on in the season. But what I've noticed just years of playing is that it. I always feel a little bit better about my FanDuel lineups because uh, the pricing is a little bit more loose on FanDuel versus DraftKings. Yeah, I think it's easier to put it together like a dream team. So on sometimes on DraftKings, you, do you feel like you need a deep sleeper on DraftKings? And would Carlos Hyde potentially be a, a deep sleeper? Or is that too low end? It's probably too low end. I mean, I, I'm all for the deep sleepers, like the sort of punt plays that might win you a millimaker. maker. Um, I, I, if I was going to like, typically the punt pays that, that are going to win you a millimaker maker are probably on the receiver end because they have, while they might not share the volume a running back might have, but they do have like a greater upside, a greater ceiling. So I don't think Hyde has the ceiling you're looking for in, in like that type of contest. Yeah. Yeah. For example, Kendrick Bourne was a name we brought up the other day as like a super cheap punt play on DraftKings because slot receiver, Mac Jones is his first start. Maybe he leans on someone, you know, over the middle of the field early on. And he's, I think he's like sub 4K or something in week one. All right, guys. Well, thank you for much more advice. Check out the Fantasy Football DFS podcast. See ya, Frank. You guys have a great weekend. All right, man. Thanks for having me. And you too, Adam. Thank I you. I have a feeling we'll be talking a lot this season. I think so, man, especially with that hat you've got. Uh, we got some. Uh, we got a lot of text messages to exchange. Let's go. Okay, Thanks, everybody, enjoy your weekend. And this is your last weekend without football, so do something on Sunday because your Sunday is going to be tied up for the next 18 weeks. Uh, we'll talk to you soon on Fantasy Football Today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.